Hi, welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is Behind the Scenes. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter, filling in this week for Lloyd Dobbins. And our guest today is Trisha Brooks, who is manager of African American programs. And Trisha, you are involved right now in a large effort to commemorate the 30th anniversary of African American programming here at Colonial Williamsburg. And let's just start. Tell me a little bit about the anniversary and the, the programs that you've created and selected to sort of mark the occasion. Well, um, we started with a weekend celebration where we presented a lot of various programs, some past programs and some of our present programs, and a few programs that we have recently introduced. Also in October, we will be having a national town meeting as part of our celebration of the 30th anniversary of African American history. And that will be an opportunity we're very excited about to talk about 21st century issues of race and citizenship. And to look at the changing political landscape that, that we see today and how that um, is rooted in that 18th century struggle uh, for freedom and equality. And our next piece of the celebration will be July 18th and 19th. And we will be taking a focus on family and community history, and we will be looking at how do we know what we know about the 18th century, how have we created the experience that people have when they come and visit Colonial Williamsburg, and linking that to how will people know about us in the future, and encouraging people to take some time to look at their family history and their community history and do a little genealogical research or a little research on, on their community's past. So let's talk about some of those sources. How, how do we know what we know? Well, the, in their own words, Tor talks not just about this, the perspective of enslaved people in Williamsburg, but also the perspective of white people towards the African-American community. So we have, we use in that tour several different documents, letters and legal documents from the 18th century. One of the the documents that we use is a letter that was written by a slave in 1723, a slave from Virginia, an anonymous slave. We don't know who it was. Um, the slave was writing to the, um, to the Bishop of London, pleading for freedom for, for enslaved people. Um, we also use a letter that was written by Virginia Governor William Gooch, and that letter is justifying laws that were passed by the, uh, by the Virginia Assembly in 1723. The laws seemed pretty harsh to the government in England. Um, they were laws that dealt with free blacks, and they were very restrictive uh, of the activities of free blacks. So it's Governor Gooch explaining why they felt it necessary to restrict the rights of what were considered some of the king's subjects. Um, we use documents related to a free black family, the Ashby family, uh, as Matthew Ashby worked towards trying to free his family. We have documents related to that as well. And there are some other documents that we use in that tour from uh, newspaper records, some, some guides use runaway ads, um, and oh, Governor Dunmore's proclamation uh, that he issued during the revolution offering freedom to 
to people who were slaves of of uh, rebel patriots. Um, and also there's a letter that was written to the Virginia Gazette urging masters to explain to their slaves why they should not run away to Dunmore to get their freedom. So there are a variety of different types of documents that are, that are used in that tour. Talk to me a little bit more about the um, anonymous slave letter. You said it's anonymous. Can we understand anything contextually about that slave? Well, what we know from the letter, um, we know that the slave was mulatto. One of the slave's parents was white, one was African. And the author of the letter speaks about the situation of, of uh, the, the unique situation of the parentage of having one white parent and one black parent. The author of the letter indicates that, that his or her brother is his or her master. The author makes an appeal to the Bishop of London on the basis of being Christian and is it, is it proper for a Christian to own another Christian is, is one of the arguments made in the letter as well. So you've brought a copy of the letter with you. Will you read us a short passage that, um, people, that, that one of the tour guides might read on the tour? Certainly. Most honored sir, amongst the rest of your charitable acts, Indeed, we, your humble and poor parishioners, do beg, sir, your aid and assistance in this one thing, which lies, as I do understand, in your lordship's breast, which is that your honor will, will by the help of our sovereign Lord King George and the rest of the rulers, will release us out of this cruel bondage. And this we beg for Jesus Christ, his sake, who has commanded us to seek first the kingdom of God, and all things shall be added unto us. And here it is to be noted that one brother is a slave to another, and one sister to another, which is quite out of the way. And as for me, myself, I am my brother's slave, but my name is secret. So he is making an appeal, as you said, on the basis of, of Christian principles, Christian morals. But you've also got, on the other hand, your um, letter from Governor Governor Gooch. What is Governor Gooch's perspective? Governor Gooch, uh, first of all, his his perspective is that certainly Africans and African Americans are by no means equal to Englishmen, and he feels very strongly that uh, those who have been manumitted from slavery, those who have been freed, have this feeling that is that is uh, not appropriate, that they should be equal. <laughs> um, and as a result, it was necessary to pass a series of very restrictive laws in 1723 that, that made it illegal for uh, more than five uh, African Americans to meet together, uh, that free blacks would not have voting rights, that um, there, there are a number of, of provisions in this law. This is also the time at which they made it much more difficult for people to gain their freedom. They, they were very concerned about a growing free black population. So there was a law that was passed much earlier in 1662, which said that the condition of the mother was the condition of the child. If your mother was free, you were free. If your mother was a slave, 
you were a slave. So they were very concerned about increasing the number of free blacks and, and thus increasing the number of children who would be born free. So they passed a law that the only way you could gain your freedom was if the governor's council agreed that you could be free. Your master could not say, I would like to free this slave. The governor's council had to say that a slave could be freed. 1723 was also the time at which they determined that uh, no African American could testify against a white person. Um, could, uh, African Americans could not serve on juries. And slaves would be tried not in the court where other crimes were tried, but any capital crime of a slave would be tried in a, in a local court rather than in the, in the um, governor's court. Do we know of any slaves who were able to petition and gain their freedom after that 1723 um, restriction was, was put in place? There were some who were able to gain their freedom. Generally, the, the provision says that in order to gain your freedom, you must have, have done some type of honorable act. So saved the life of your master, for example. Um, there are a few slaves who are freed on the basis of cures for diseases that, that they find. Um, and we do know that there is a slave family that, that is discussed in the tour where the husband in the family uh, is a free man. He was born an indentured servant. He had to serve for 31 years and then gained his freedom. He married a slave woman, which slaves were not allowed to legally marry. So he married, in his heart, he married a slave woman, but the, the marriage was not recognized as such. They had children together, and he was able to convince her master and the master of his children to allow him to purchase them. What do you want people to leave this tour knowing that they might not have known coming into it? I think the most important thing is for people to really have the opportunity to personalize the experience of slavery. There are a number of people who resided in Williamsburg that that are, are brought up in the tour. Um, and to, to really have people be able to identify that these were individuals um, and get a, a real sense of the individuality. Um, and also, I think, to understand that it was a very complex system with a lot of contradictions and paradoxes, and that it was a system that was developing and not a system that that was kind of born full form. It, it took many years for the system to be built and developed and a variety of different laws to be passed to create, to create the final sort of system of lifetime servitude that was passed on from mother to child. Well, thanks for being with us today. Thank you very much. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. We like hearing from you. Send us a comment at history.org slash podcasts. Check back often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.